Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Episode 81 of Suncast. So dollar per kilowatt hour, CapEx of module packs, yes, they are decreasing and that's all great. Raw material costs are leveling out and so mm-hmm. now it's becoming a supply chain issue. And that's what things like gigawatt factories are going to do. They're going to bring down the cost of supply chain. It won't be as significant and dramatic as reducing the cost of the raw materials. And there are some supply constraints there, notably with cobalt, but we'll still get cost reduction. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and actions shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Hey, hey, solar warriors, welcome back. This is Tactical Tuesday, a short-form conversation with subject matter experts designed to give you practical tools, tips, or advice for building your solar business and career. This is episode 81 of Suncast, and I know that you could do just about anything right now with your time, so thanks for setting aside this time to be here with us. Hey, if you're new to Suncast, thank you for checking it out. You may want to give a listen as well to some of the most downloaded episodes, like the recent two-part series with Paul Grana, or episodes 39 and 57 with industry icon Dan Sugar, or another iconic founder, Jigger Shaw, episode 60. I've also put the prefix TT at the beginning of the other Tactical Tuesday episodes, which are typically shorter, so you could quickly find those if you're interested in something brief like this one. Today's episode was suggested by a Suncast listener and guest, Tor Valenza, and I'm grateful when you all bring folks into my field of view who you think I should have on the show and who you know that I haven't met yet. Well, Josh Weiner is one such individual. He is the CEO, founder, and star athlete, if you will, of Seppi Solar, which is a San Francisco Bay Area engineering services company that has taken a long view on the integration of storage with solar. He's also notably one of the co-founders of another well-known storage company, Green Charge Networks. But we don't dig into that story today. You'll have to check back for the long-form interview I've recently completed with Josh, and that'll be airing in May. He was also one of the technical advisors to Next Tracker in their decision to integrate Flow Battery Company, Avalon Battery, into their Flex storage product, which Next Tracker brought to market last year. And I discovered that Josh has put a lot of thought into how to evaluate the economics of solar plus storage. And I'm really super grateful to Tor for suggesting that he come on Suncast. And I think you will be as well. Stay tuned to learn from Josh as we walk through the finer points of a recent article he penned called Four Questions Engineers Ask When Evaluating Cost Per Kilowatt Hour of Energy Storage. And be sure not to miss the freebie from Josh at the end of today's episode. It's a tool or a resource that maybe will help you in your own evaluation of Solar Plus Storage. You'll also want to stay tuned later in the week for the next installment of our Solar Pioneers series with yet another iconic California solar businessman, Ed Theo, named Attorney of the Decade and one of the five most influential people in renewable energy. 
This episode, again, is brought to you in partnership with our good friends at soulrates.com, the fast and free online platform for providing your commercial customers with a credible lease financing proposal. Look, if you've got a project over 100000 in value and you would like to see how Soul Rates can give you a quick and easy financing proposal and usher your customers through the process of getting approved for solar financing, please head over to mysuncast.com forward slash S-O-L-R-A-T-E-S and click on request an invitation. One last thing, a special thank you to those who've recently joined my new foray back into Twitter. I never really knew how to use the medium before, but am enjoying the dialogue that really only Twitter can foster. Thanks to Julia Piper of Green Tech Media and John, commercial solar guy Weaver, newly minted writer at PV Magazine, and many others for following and engaging with me. If you haven't yet, please follow me on Twitter at Nico Mayo, N-I-C-O-M-E-O, as well as the show at My Suncast. Tune in and tune up your skills, solar warriors. You're about to gain insider knowledge on solar plus storage with a real expert, Josh Weiner. Hey, Josh, thank you for joining us on Suncast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So on the impetus of a dear friend of mine, Tor Valenza, we've been introduced. I look forward to meeting you as I did the research for doing this quick little interview with you. I learned so much that I want to dig into. I'd like to focus on our topic today around understanding the true value of a dollar per kilowatt hour from a storage perspective? And what are the considerations that one might need to take as an engineer and as a developer by way of understanding how engineers should be thinking about these things? You recently wrote an article and it was called The Four Questions Engineers Ask When Evaluating Cost Per Kilowatt Hour of Energy Storage. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that today and maybe we'll geek out on some of these topics, but but we're going to keep it tactical. We're going to keep it focused. I'd like to give you an opportunity to kind of take us down the rabbit hole of evaluating energy storage. And certainly we look at it from the perspective of energy storage as a bolt-on product to solar for the solar industry. So at Seppi Solar, your engineering firm, you all spend a lot of time working with developers. And lately, I understand that much of your time is spent around helping developers understand how to integrate storage into their solar projects. Could you outline for me these four questions that a reader would have seen in the article and give me some understanding of why they're so important to understanding not just how storage works, but the type of technology you select? Yeah, developers are right now in the last year or so, they're starting to get their heads wrapped around these complex issues. So as Seppi Solar, as an engineering firm, we take a lot of pride in solving the whole problem, not just the part of the problem. That's, mm-hmm. that's a bit of what engineers tend to be known for. You know, they're sort of like, little cost centers and they focus on some issue and get the job done. But cost is an important issue, but so is revenue. These batteries got to make money and they got to spend money, but you want to come out in the black, not the red. And there's lots of ways to do both. So first of all, let's talk about the whole problem, which is how do we get the lowest total cost of ownership or the lowest LCOE onto the grid? LCOA, levelized cost of electricity. That's right. Yeah. What's the technology mix or what's the best way to do that? I'm technology agnostic. There are so many ways to get cost out of products, but what's the optimal? What's the best? And from a total cost of ownership perspective, 
The answer to that I found is solar plus flow batteries. We've seen like in the low three cents per kilowatt hour over 20 year project terms and beyond. It blows me away and it it really does sound too good to be true. Uh So understanding how and why is not very straightforward or easy. So Mm -hmm. I think the industry, we have a lot of engineers like me who are fine diving into the complexity. It's our job to be ambassadors. That's how I kind of see myself is like learning this stuff now with great power comes great responsibility. Now that I know how this works, I need to share this and I need to communicate it and articulate it in a way that people can hear it to actually make use of it if it is useful, if I am right. So those questions are like, what is the capex of these batteries? What is the opex? What things do you need to include or exclude from those in order to compare different technologies on a purely LCOE or, you know, levelized cost of energy or total cost of ownership basis. Mm-hmm. And that's what I set out to achieve in this article is to kind of set the stage for what are those four basic questions. Yeah. And I love the article because it actually starts at a place where I feel a lot of folks, I would say a little bit naive and they fall prey to what the manufacturer wants them to believe without grounding it into what we need to translate into a customer need. Your first question in the article is, is the battery vendor defining dollar per kilowatt hour in DC or AC watt hours? Yeah, exactly. You hear it all the time now. The cost of lithium batteries are coming down. You know, it's just like solar was 15 years ago. Let's all get on the bandwagon, et cetera, et cetera. That's not a bad thing. I mean, it's great that CapEx costs are coming down. But we tend to talk only about cell prices coming down or module pack prices coming down. What we don't talk about are how does that translate to the real economic cost as opposed to, say, what one might call the nominal cost. But then also, what about everything else? Are we even including everything else? And actually, there are parts of lithium systems that are getting more expensive right now because of supply constraints, because of conflict minerals, because of fire safety and fire departments are now imposing a lot more requirements for good reason. I mean, these all alienate half of your audience right now and just say that lithium batteries are the most dangerous things the solar industry has ever installed, ever. And it doesn't mean they have to be dangerous once they're installed. It just means that if we're going to keep this industry intact, if we're going to keep a high standard, we need to lead, not follow, but lead the safety effort of these batteries and make sure we are the subject matter experts, ensure the safety of our customers when we install these systems. So dollar per kilowatt hour, CapEx of module packs, yes, they are decreasing and that's all great raw material costs are leveling out. And so now it's becoming a supply chain issue. And that's what things like gigawatt factories are going to do. They're going to bring down the cost of supply chain. It won't be as significant and dramatic as reducing the cost of the raw materials. And there are some supply constraints there, notably with cobalt, but we'll still get cost reduction. And then what I've noticed, though, is when you talk about these costs, you tend to talk about them in terms of dollar per kilowatt hour, which is a sign of a commoditizing industry, which is good. Dollar per watt, dollar per kilowatt hour, great. But what is a dollar and what is a kilowatt hour? There's lots of ways to manipulate those numbers. And we know this from solar. When you get a bigger solar panel that goes from 300 watts to 320 watts, that dollar per watt denominator just got a lot bigger and your cost per watt just went down. And same exact thing with batteries. 
in the numerator, we need to add up all the components, and that's your dollar, that's your numerator. And it's easy to forget a few things, like your fire detection suppression, like reverse protection relay equipment or something in order to comply with utility requirements. There's lots of these peripheral BOS-type things that we need to remember. That's the numerator. Denominator, however, is a little more complicated because when we talk about dollar per kilowatt hour, what is a kilowatt hour? You know, in solar, we kind of have a well-understood standard. It's the STC rating of the solar panel times the number of solar panels. That's our cost per watt. That's the denominator. With batteries, you might buy a 100 kilowatt hour battery, but you will never get, at least with lithium, you will never get 100 kilowatt hours out of it. And the reason is because of something called degradation, capacity degradation. You don't use 100% of your battery's capacity or else it only lasts a couple weeks. So what you do is you impose a restriction on it, what's known as depth of discharge, which is like the maximum amount of that capacity you should be allowed to use so that you don't damage the battery. And it's all for good reason. However, for example, for lithium, it's not uncommon to see 80% depth of discharge. What does that do? It just changed your dollar per kilowatt hour and added an 80% factor in the denominator. And when you divide by a smaller number, the total number gets bigger. So the dollar per kilowatt hour folks talk about in the media isn't exactly what it translates to in the real world. And is that why, I mean, it was very clever in the article, there's a fortune cookie and you see a piece of paper coming out that says your dollar per kilowatt hour price of lithium ion storage may be rising. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, exactly. So when you take the dollar per kilowatt hour and the cost roadmap reductions that we're seeing, but you layer on top of it depth of discharge and round trip efficiencies, which folks are actually depth of discharge limits are starting to contract a little bit because, you know, 95% DOD doesn't quite last as long as people originally thought. So DOD is actually coming down a little bit over time. Round-trip efficiency, folks are starting to notice that half of a lithium battery is air conditioning, Mm. and it operates at the time the battery is running, which means those auxiliary or parasitic losses are directly related to the round-trip efficiency of these batteries. You know, people talk about this little lithium cell being 96, 98% efficient. That is great on a spec sheet. It looks very good, but when you combine them in series and in parallel and you put an inverter on it and an enclosure and thermal management and controllers and a very complex BMS that's there to protect you, that round-trip efficiency. In fact, it, it, it gets a little scary. Um, in 2016, you know, did an audit of all the systems in California to justify the rebates they're paying for these battery systems. And ITRON came out with this publicly available report that said, we're seeing 44% round-trip efficient lithium batteries right now. And that calls into question the whole program and if we are actually reducing greenhouse gases. And I think the industry is getting together to fight that and make sure that we are measuring round-trip efficiency correctly, that we're incentivizing these batteries in the right applications to boost their round-trip efficiency. There's a lot of work we need to do there. But the what is the round-trip efficiency of batteries? What is this cost per kilowatt hour? It's something we're still learning about even today as we learn more about these auxiliaries. One of the things I love that totally caught me off guard when I started reading this article was the shot across the bow at GTM's pricing report. So you put in what might be a controversial alternative graph to look at the difference between first cost and the lifetime cost of storage. And it in fact shows the graph, you know, spoiler alert, it shows the graph having a growth in price rather than a reduction in price, despite the implications of cost as a first cost. OPEX and the total cost is always the hardest part. It's easy to look at 
a component or a cell or a manufacturer reduce their price and say, look at that price reduction. That's something that's very accessible. But like solar, the OPEX is something that came out much later. You know, everybody talked about CapEx in the beginning, but it wasn't until you had asset managers and third-party owners where the question of OPEX really started to fine-tune. And you learned some amazing things about latent failures of solar systems that you would have never thought of that show up in years 15, 18, not years 1, 2, and 3. I think it's the sign of a maturing market that we are so focused on CapEx and that people are starting to ask questions and raise articles and discuss but what about the OPEX and and how does that translate to the total cost? And in that OPEX, you point out a few sensitivities, things like temperature, fire suppression, augmentation schedule, the latter being really important. Could you open up a little bit on those as a final point around this notion of OPEX really affecting your perception of the value you're getting from storage? Yeah, if you're getting the cheapest lithium battery in the world, that's all fine and great, but you could have the cheapest battery in the world, but if you've got a 10 ton air conditioner running right on top of it for 10 hours a day, and you've got maybe 30% empty space of land sitting right next to your battery because you're going to need to add batteries every three, five, seven years or something, depending on the duty cycle of that particular application. And so you're going to be adding more of these cheap batteries over time. You got to start asking the questions like, well, who's taking the cost roadmap risk on that? Are these batteries really getting cheaper? Will they get more expensive? And if so, how does that work? And the auxiliary losses and all the the thermal management and air conditioning, like what is the cost of energy that feeds that? Those are real costs. They can add up to a lot. Like just HVAC alone, I've seen parasitic losses add up more than 10% of the power rating of the battery plant. Mm -hmm. I've seen augmentation schedules. Define augmentation schedule for us. Yeah, thanks. So lithium batteries, I consider them consumable. They degrade over time, they wear out. And so you've got some options on how you manage that. There's usually three ways we talk about mitigating lithium or any battery, most batteries degradation. One is as the cells die, you replace them. Mm -hmm. So we call it, you know, cell replacements. Another is as they die, before they totally die, you kind of augment them, meaning add more batteries to sit next to them. So now you've got multiple batteries at different places in their design life operating slightly differently all on the same site. That's a fun asset management problem to solve. Yeah. And then finally, the last way you solve the problem is by oversizing the battery so much from the get-go or limiting the depth of discharge, the usable capacity of that battery to such a narrow degree that you're really not using a lot of that battery in the beginning in the first place, which degrades it less. So those are generally, you know, replacement, augmentation, and supersizing or oversizing are three ways you mitigate things like OPEX and degradation costs. Josh, I understand what you're saying at a surface level, but to be honest, if I wanted to, I mean, it's probably why companies like CEPI exist. If I wanted to try and go do this myself, I would really know where to start because unlike Helioscope and similar tools for design around solar, you know, we've got Energy Toolbase and a few other software approaches, but I'd have to hire someone like Seppi. Are there any tools in, in existence for how to take the things that you just mentioned, augmentation schedule or temperature and different ancillary pieces of the OPEX and figure it out on my own? Well, there are two things. I mean, Seppi Solar as a business, I mean, we, we definitely model this stuff specifically for specific projects. So if you're a developer EPC and you're going in front of a customer or utility making a commitment or a promise, we got your back. We can do that analysis and cover any gaps that might have been missed in that upfront proposal process. 
So we've got a lot of smart engineers who really understand the stuff inside and out. But then at a higher level, just industry-wide or sort of market-wide to help address this, we did create a tool. It starts with GTM's article. That was a great starting point, driving a stake in the ground and saying, here's CapEx. All we did was take that article and expand upon it. And we added in the layers like depth of discharge, like degradation over time, so that you could kind of see actually these upfront CapExes, how do they translate dollar per kilowatt hour all in over time at the end of the day? And we put that in a cool little Excel spreadsheet tool that I think might be useful. In the Excel spreadsheet, this helps me understand the lifetime value of like of a lithium ion or, or any type of storage? Yeah, that's right. It's actually really easy. It's technology independent. There are caveats to that. I mean, the inputs to this tool are things like annual degradation. It's just a constant number. So that's not very representative of a specific project. Some projects, depending on how you exercise the battery, might degrade 3% per year, 10% per year. It totally depends on how you design the system. So as they say, crap in, crap out, but yeah. they're very simple inputs. A constant for the degradation, throw in a constant for depth of discharge, like 80, 90, 95%. These are things you can get from your manufacturer as well. They'll make a claim or a promise and you could plug that in and see what it does to your CapEx. Josh, that sounds like a fantastic tool and certainly one that'd be valuable. But obviously, I'm not a customer of Seppi Solar. I'd love to, I mean, selfishly, I'd love it if you'd share it with me, but I'm thinking for my audience here, how would they get access to something that valuable? Yeah, that's exactly why we made it. We want to share this. We want it available to everybody. Um, Just go to our website, sepisolar.com, and click on blogs in our toolbar, and it'll take you to an article on uh, battery evaluations and measurements that where you'll be able to download an Excel spreadsheet. And as long as you got Microsoft Excel, you should be able to manipulate it and play with it. It's totally transparent. Okay, sweet. Well, we'll definitely make sure that is linked to in the show notes. So, wow, thank you. That's very generous. So you guys, uh, if you're listening to this and you're curious about the Excel tool that they've created and you're curious about how to really evaluate the total cost of ownership of these battery assets, then you should go check out Sippy Solar's blog. Again, I'll link to it on the show notes. So check out mysuncast.com forward slash suncast episodes. But I'll, I'll link to it here and there and you'll be able to get to it. We'll make sure. I'm sure by now Tor is tweeting this thing out. So you and I may not know where it lives, but I'll ask Tor and I'm sure that he knows where it lives. So thank you for that. That's very, that's very generous of you. I'd love to, as a final thought, just push back a bit on just the idea of lithium versus flow, etc. I mean, unfortunate reality in today's world is not just Vision in the latest news, but Aquion and not just Flow, but A123 and Beacon. Storage technology has not had a successful road with venture capital and with product market ramp. So how do I, as a developer, really trust that storage is ready? Sure, I could use your fancy tool, but how do I know that uh, this isn't just another failed attempt at our industry getting more of the energy pie? What do you have to say about how this is going to shake out? Yeah, great question. You know, trust and confidence, aka bankability in our industry has always been a problem, right? Solar companies, big, great, wonderful looking solar companies go out of business all the time, unfortunately, you know, Sun Edison being maybe a classic example. Yeah, so how do we do that for batteries? I think we do it in the same way we do it with solar. You know, it's, in my mind, the way you build trust and confidence is through consistency and repeatability. You know, you say what you do, you do what you say, And you do that over and over and over and you don't go away. And this is publicly available knowledge, but it is buried. It is hard to dig up. So 
companies like mine, I mean, we're not scared or afraid to go to first principles, go on the fringe and look for great ideas, maybe in the wrong places that belong in the solar industry somehow. And absolutely like flow batteries being a great example. They've actually been out longer than lithium. Uh, There are systems from the 90s that are still running today, way before lithium was a stationary storage application. Maybe, you know, Sony was the original pioneer of lithium. Consumer products, great. But I mean, large scale stationary storage, flow batteries got a huge leg up there. And there's a, there's uptime available that you can dig up and see these battery systems running, you know, how they did over yeah. that period. You know, unfortunate for Vision, for longtime Suncast listeners, one of my mentors and friends, Mike Grineau was the head of marketing at Vision. For anyone who really wants to dig into why what Josh is saying has a lot of solid foundation, uh, go listen to the episode that Mike did. In fact, we did a whole Tactical Tuesday on that about what to know around these different chemistries. It's good to see that there, that this topic keeps coming up. I'm learning here as a lot of the Suncast audience is. We're really grateful for the ability to lean on engineers like yourself and the wisdom that we can gain from you having dug into those first principles and bringing them back so that we can apply them to our world. Hey, Josh, you know, one of the things I like to do on Suncast is really allow folks to see the inside of how an entrepreneur gets their business running, how the arc of their career influenced the company they've grown. Obviously, we're just meeting now, but would you be willing to come back for a longer episode that we could have as a long form Suncast episode? Because I think our audience would get a lot out of that. Oh, yes, definitely. I I would love to be part of that. Well, we'll make sure to make that happen. In the meantime, Suncast, you have been schooled today on the things you need to know, the questions you need to ask when you're trying to implement a battery technology into your solar solution. We will continue to dig deep and find experts like Josh. Let us know what is it that you want to learn? What is it that's going to help you grow in your career and grow your business? Thanks for being with us, Josh. Thanks for having me, Nika. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend. And stay tuned.